Good morning. Happy New Year. Did you have a good New Year's? That was yesterday, right? I think so. Anyway, I don't know. We, we weren't celebrating much. I was kind of working on a little work project <clears throat> for right now. But uh, anyway, glad you're here. It's, it's uh, exciting to start a new year. Uh, it's exciting to think about uh, all the possibilities of what we could focus our minds on this morning, what we could uh, search out in the Word of God. I know as you uh, put a year behind you, you know, maybe it's a, the, the notion of, you know, getting past some things. Maybe it's looking out to the future and goals and, you know, convictions and all those things. I know there's just lots of great topics. I want to talk about friends this morning because I know friends are always important to us. You don't have to talk to uh, teenagers for very long uh, before you realize that uh, friends are very important to us when we're teenagers. You know, when you're trying to decide what to do with holidays or or uh, what you're going to do this weekend, you know, a lot of us turn to the thoughts of, you know, wonder what my friends are doing. I wonder if I have friends, all those kinds of important questions. When, when you're looking for a church, when you move to a new community, uh, obviously a big question is, can I make friends? Will I have friends? What does God have in store for me there? And of course, if you hit a rough patch in life, you, you need some friends. And, and so, hey, I don't need to convince you. Your friends are important to you. I know you know that better than I do. If you think for, for just a moment about getting friends and about keeping friends, and you think about how we kind of go about that out in the world, it's, it's pretty easy to see that a lot of times we get it in our minds that, you know, some of that's about position or status or, or maybe, you know, do we have enough cash? Are we wealthy enough? Or popular? Do we look good enough? Are we lucky? And, you know, there's lots of different thoughts come into our minds about how we're going to be able to get friends. The reality, though, is the most reliable to get friends and to keep friends is quite simply to be a great friend, to be the best friend you can possibly be. Proverbs is where we're going to be this morning. Proverbs mentions lots of things about friendship. That's where I'd like us to focus as we start our year together. Chapter 22, verse 11 says, One who loves a a pure heart... And who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. Now, first of all, a couple of qualities are listed. There's a loving a pure heart. That's, I kind of like that phrase because it's, I know I should have one. I'm not completely there, but I love it. I, I value it. I think that's a good thing. And so here's a person that's after a pure heart. And here's a person who, who wants to speak graciously. A couple great qualities for a friend, don't you think? Do you love to have some friends who love a pure heart and who speak graciously? Sounds like good stuff to me. In other words, here's a person with some character, with some uh, qualities to them. And then notice it starts bringing up uh, this king. Now, we'll notice this in a few different Proverbs this morning. Kings are interesting. Kings are, are people who have a hard time with friends. I think about all the movies you've you've watched, you know, isn't, isn't it true? The king always has to be really careful about who he selects for his friends because, you know, some people are just, they just want to eat at the table, right? But then there's other people who want to be at the table so they can, you know, pour the poison in the cup and all, it just goes on and on. Kings are really kind of worried about making friends. Is this going to go all right? Kings have to be careful with that. But notice what this verse is saying. Kings, they, 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 uh, play the role here for us of the very pickiest kind of people. 
The Proverbs says, you know, if, you're, if your character has some substance, if you're a person who can be a great fan, friend, then even the pickiest friend pickers will pick you. Even a king would want you for a friend if you have the, the qualities of being a great friend. The most important thing we need to think about this morning is that being the best kind of friend is how you're going to have friends, how you're going to hold on to them, how you're going to enjoy those friendships. In the book of Proverbs, we're going to see this theme that the very essence of friendship is faithfulness. It says, a friend loves at all times. As they walk with you through life, a friend is going to stick with you when it's hard. They're going to be with you when it's great, on the great days, when, when you're wealthy, when you're poor, all kinds of different circumstances. Now, to be active at all times, friendship then is going to have to be bigger to us than some other things. Things like convenience, things like comfort, things like wealth, being right. And it's a, it's a long list. Friendship's going to have to be bigger than all that. Real friendship stands up. It endures through all kinds of situations and stresses. 1824, though, says, One who, is, who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's possible to have that kind of friendship. But notice it says, look out if you've got unreliable friends. So let me ask you, in 2011, are your friends in trouble? Or are they safe? When you think about your friendships now for the next few moments, what friendship do you need to pay attention to? Maybe it's a, it's a strained friendship. Maybe you know right away, oh, I wish he wasn't talking about this. <laughs> Maybe it's a, it's a friendship and you know it needs some healing, it needs some work. I'd like you to think about that this morning. Maybe it's a neglected friendship. It's not really something anybody did wrong. It's just like, you know, I, I think I need to reinvest something into that friendship. Maybe that's what you want to focus on this morning. Maybe it's that you have a good friend. You have a, a best friend, and you're like, I, I love that relationship. I, I, what I want to do is protect it. I want to nurture it. I, I don't want anything to, to come into the way of that. Maybe that's the friendship you'd like to think about today. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you love your spouse. Maybe you uh, do the chores, and you get things done, and you, do, you keep your vows, and you do all the right things, but there could be a little more friendship there as well. Or maybe today you're just like, I, I, I need some more friends. Whatever it is that God puts on your heart, hopefully Proverbs is going to help you this morning as we think about some of the great wisdom that it offers us on being a faithful friend to others. Now, the best kind of friend, a faithful friend, is going to do several things that we find in Proverbs. The first one is to be faithful with your motives. Now, I'm, I'm thinking I was about four years old, because uh, I don't remember very much from when I was really young and like hardly anything at all. Um, I think I went to kindergarten anyway. They tell me I did. Uh, I was probably about four, and there was a, a kid next door who was a little younger than me, so I'm, I'm thinking he was maybe three, and, and it was just kind of that first time in life, it's like, well, I've got a really good friend, I've got a best friend, and and his name was Christopher, interestingly enough. And, and so, uh, you know, Christopher was my little buddy next door, and it was awesome. Now, I actually don't remember anything about him. I, I couldn't picture him today if I tried, but I, I really remember a couple things. First of all, I remember that feeling, how awesome it was, kind of first time in life, you kind of 
catch on to this thing like, wow, you know, having a friend is an awesome thing. Second thing I remember is an instance when he came over one day to my house to play, and uh, he brought with him a little toy he had just received. It was a pen light, you know, you know, and shine it. Now, remember, this is like nobody had dreamed of Best Buy yet. There weren't electronics, okay? They just made batteries. (laughs) And so he comes over with this little pen light, and I'm just like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Well, we didn't even say cool yet, you know? That is... (laughs) I just loved it. Now, remember, I just loved... My friend, and it's such a cool feeling, and yet now, oh, oh yeah, gotta have it, gotta have it. So I was a little older, a little wiser, and, well, a little stupider, actually. So I grabbed something, you know, like the first thing I get my hands on was a coloring book, and I'm like, Christopher, you want this, don't you, this coloring book? And so I pushed and prodded and manipulated until we made a trade, and I had the pen light until the moms got together later in the day and overturned the trade. Those league commissioners, they're always doing that. You know, and, and, and I just think back to that and how human we are. And, and we love our relationships and we want them. And yet how quickly, how quickly, for something small... Can we turn against someone? Now, it's common to want to benefit from your relationships. 19.6. Many people, lots of people, curry favor. They want favor. They want relationship, friendship with the ruler. And everyone is the friend of one who gives gifts. This is just common in human history. Uh, don't be surprised. Don't think you're the first person to want to have a, a, a beneficial friendship. See, rulers here again stand as as people who could offer us things like protection or or power or influence or prestige or status. You know, being associated with the king makes you feel kind of important. Or whoever is important in your social circle, if you're related to them, then maybe you're important too. And that happens. And gift givers. Who wouldn't want to be a friend of a gift giver, you know? Materially benefit. And, and just the, the notion that someone gives you something, it makes you feel good inside, right? Apart from the thing. And it feels good. It's easiest thing in the world to love the benefits of having a friend. And quite frankly, lots of times, it's okay to enjoy that. Friendships are, are a, a give-and-take relationship. They are. It's, it's give-and-take. You know, Jesus told us to love our enemies, but that wasn't his end game. Just love your enemies so that you can keep enemies. No, where does it, you know, a better, a better verse to encapsulate his goal is to love one another. Now, that's his picture of what he's really after for us. Love one another. Even Jesus has in mind that our relationships will be mutually encouraging, mutually loving, mutually beneficial. But beware. But beware. Because the essence of friendship is faithfulness. Here's what I'm thinking about with being faithful with your motives. You need to make sure that you love your friends as people, as individuals, more than you love the benefits of your friendships. More than you love your benefits 
the benefits of your friendships. Now, motives are, are, are tricky things. I mean, you know, even now, do I have a sense of my own? Well, some, and, you know, can we all see it? We're not, we're not very good at seeing our motives. Sometimes we're completely blind to it. Sometimes it's mixed. And you know how jumbled that is. And, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to do. What I'd like to do is just give us a few kind of test questions that we can take with us. So here's a few things. I know it's, it can be difficult, but I think it's, it's valuable. It's worth our time to think about. First one is, is there any give with your take? Your friendships are give and take, and that's okay. You're to love each other. But is there any give along with that take? 21.11 says, one who loves a pure heart, we read this earlier, speaks with grace, will have the king for a friend. What did the king see? He saw, now here's someone who could offer me something genuine. That's why he chooses this individual. A king can see that, and they can trust that. It's not just about the benefit that person's going to receive. But the question is, how about you? Are you able to give as well as take in your friendships? Or do your friends always pick up the tab? Do your friends have to do all the listening? Do your friends always have to take the blame? Do they always have to do it your way or maybe always go where you want to go? Is there any give with your take? Be very careful because sometimes I think we can have some categories in life and we think, oh, that, you know, I would never do that. That wouldn't be fair. I'm much more 50-50. But then we've got this little thing over here. You know, oh, no, I pick up the tab sometimes. But no, listen to me. Keep listening to me. Always listen to me, you know. And we can be blind to other things. So a good question, good first question. Is there any give with your take? It's a good thing to be able to answer, yes, there is. Second question. Can you give when the take runs out? Now, again, we we start observing some of this wealth and and poverty uh, themes in Proverbs. Wealth attracts many friends, just like with the king. But even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Now, remember, Proverbs isn't saying that's always true. It's just saying, you know what, this is the way it tends to happen for poor, poor people. Their friends, even really good friends, tend to desert them. It's it's so true with people. Poverty. And of course, there's lots of different kinds of poverty. The question is when your friends lose their job, when your friend has less income, and you don't benefit quite in the same way, can you still give? Can you still put yourself into that relationship, into that friendship? There's other kinds of poverty. How about health? Your friend loses. Their health, their good health, and they can't quite serve you the way they used to. Can you still give when the take runs out? How about spiritual poverty? Maybe you have someone in your life and they've always been a spiritual encouragement to you. They're always praying for you. They always have something to to build up your faith, but maybe they've hit a, a tough spot. And they've got nothing for you anymore. Do you have something for them? Maybe God says, now's the time, once you step up, you be the spiritual encourager now that they're spiritually poor. Or loss of availability or loss of status. There are so many ways that our friends can suddenly become poor. And the question, of course, is do we still give? When I was a, a kid, we had uh, on my dad's side uh, a little part of our extended family that... Um, uh, lived about an hour away or so, and I just 
did not like to go over to that house. I, I lived a pretty sheltered, comfortable. I had a great childhood, actually. And, and this was the only place where I was ever exposed to alcoholism and how it just absolutely destroys relationships. And, and uh, I didn't like going over there. It didn't smell good. It didn't look good. It sounded horrible. It felt uncomfortable. I didn't like being around it. Uh, you know, call me crazy, right? Uh, just as a kid, uh, I was like, why do we even want to be over there? And I remember my, my dad would often help his relative in that situation, and, and, uh, and especially the kids. And sometimes I think on my family side, we were like, why are we helping them anyway? You know, it's like, don't want to sound shallow, but what are you doing, Dad? You know, are you throwing money away, or why are we... I mean, nothing comes this direction, you know, because I, I wasn't around anything like that. And, and it sounds terrible, and, and it was never said this way, but of course, maybe the implication was for those in my family who asked the question, you know, they don't offer us anything. I now look back and see that I think my dad knew what he was doing. He knew that sometimes you give even when not that much flows the other direction. It's the right thing to do in relationships. And then the last one kind of related to this, can you give sacrificially? Here the poor are again. They're shunned by their relatives. So typically, how much more do their friends avoid them? You know, when we're when we're poor, when we don't have much to offer other people. And so, if you're going to get into that, you're going to actually end up sacrificing something. And of course, this is a great theme we hit all the time that God calls us to. I've sacrificed you and I've called you to be like me, be my children, those who are ready to sacrifice. What did Jesus say about friendship? There's no greater love, said the night before he would die than what I'm about to show you. To lay down one's life, to sacrifice for each other. It's worth doing. It's a great question. So motives, be faithful with those. The, the, the issue is, can you answer yes to some of those? Now, you probably can't do it all the time, and you don't do it perfectly, and it's tricky, and things can sneak up on you in terms of motives, but the more you can answer yes, the better you're doing, and the better off your friends are. And this is so important. See, friendship is a little tricky. We've got, we got family relationships, and those sort of come with a high level of commitment. And then, of course, there's, there's marriage, and that comes with vows, right? That comes with standing up, giving promises, and saying, you're all going to be my witnesses, right? You witness what I'm going to promise here. And friendships, of course, they don't come that way. And, and you are completely free. You know, right now, you could leave this service, and you could go looking for ten new friends and... That would be a good thing. And here's the one tricky thing about that. I think there's this notion that if we, that we're free to do that at any time without any consequence. But let me just warn you, if you're in a situation and, and your social network, and your social world becomes negative to you and you think, you know what, I'm just going to get a new one. I'm just going to get a new one because this isn't offering me anything. (laughs) Be very careful. You can't just completely do that without changing who you are. And if you do it the wrong way, your potential to be a friend is reduced. Even though you're free to make friends. 
be very careful. Be faithful with your motives. It's a tough one. It's challenging to think through. Take it to God. Think about those things. Next category, be faithful with, which, with what you know. Be faithful with what you know. Uh, for years, my wife, Melanie, and I have worked with engaged couples, and I don't know, like half of them were here at the first service. I kept looking out, and I mean, there were, there were lots of them here uh, that uh, we worked with in preparing them for marriage. And it's fun to spend time with engaged couples. They're really excited and kind of stupid, and, you know, anyway. <sighs> so, but in a good way, you know, stupid in the way we're supposed to be. Uh, so, anyway, it's good stuff. And uh, I, I was asking, you know, now, why do you want to do this? And what do you think will be really great about being married? And, uh, you know, the answers are always a little different. They always have that personal slant to them, maybe a story that connects with them, looking forward to this kind of thing. But there's always this thread running through them. And that is, I'm looking forward to having someone who really knows me. I can really know them. It's going to be safe. It's going to be good. You know, that, that thing that God put into us at the very beginning, that desire to, to know someone and to be known, and yet that that's okay? Because we spend so much time where it's, whoa, dangerous for you to know too much about me. <laughs> Don't you be repeating that pin light story now. You need to be faithful with what you learn about your friends because that's what friendship is. It's, it's knowing about someone, and it's a good thing. 16.28, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. A gossip separates their own friends from themselves. Now, gossip can be kind of hard to define, and you know, I'm going to do a little simplifying here for us for the sake of time. I know you're interested in that as well. Let's say, uh, first of all, there's the, the category of talking appropriately about your friends. It's affirming. It's appropriate. Everyone would look at that, listen to that, and go, well, that's, that's good stuff, what you're saying there. And then we got over on the other side, we've got gossip. Okay? And in between, we've got some things that are pretty hard to distinguish. And, and it's kind of messy to figure out, is this right? Is that wrong? I'm going to leave that messy category for you to wrestle with with God. You can take the questions there for grow groups. You can think about that this week in your small groups. I've got to just take on the stuff that's clearly we'd all go, well, that's gossip. Here is the essence of gossip. Uh, chapter 11, verse 13. Gossip betrays a confidence There is betrayal going on here. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about this morning. Now, lots of people have figured out, I hadn't really thought of it in in this way before, but lots of people have figured out that gossip sells. In fact, gossip is a transaction. And they're selling it all the time. I did a little research. It's so fun now to just do simple research. You just Google it, right? So I Googled gossip. Just to read, you know, what websites I'd come up with. I got tired after 20 pages. That's 200 websites. Here's what I found. In 200 websites, three of them had articles about gossip, saying something about it. I read one because it was labeled Scientific American, and I thought, well, that might be interesting, and 
It was, a, it was an article about how we have needed gossip in order to evolve as a society. Anyway, I'd cancel my subscription if I had one, but don't. So anyway, and then there were two other articles. 197 websites selling you gossip. Did you hear? Did you hear who got caught? Over there? Did you hear who was seen over there? People have figured it out. They've figured out something about us. We like it. We like it. We actually like this stuff. And you see, when we gossip, that's really what we're doing. We've taken something that is a treasure. Someone has, uh, has led us into their life. Maybe it's, uh, some, it's about their past. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's about the pin light. How they grew up. Maybe it's some fun story. Maybe it's about their dreams. I remember uh, before Melanie and I were even engaged, she was the first person. I remember it being so hard to say, but I was like, yeah, I think I want to be a pastor. Because I just felt like you got to have a lot of nerve to just stand up when you've, uh, you've done nothing, you know, and you stand up and go, I think I should be a pastor. And I just thought, it's, I don't even want to utter those words. And then, Let me go study for a while and see if it works or something. And I remember telling her, you see, and, that, and that's the way relationships are. We hear about people's past or their dreams or what's going on in their life. And all of that knowledge, all of that intimacy is a treasure. And when we gossip, we take that treasure and we cash it in for something that will fail us. Something worthless. Why do we do it? I don't know, to feel important. But don't you see? You were already important. Someone entrusted you with their life. That is your importance. But no, we have to go cash it in for some other kind of importance. Or maybe we, uh, we feel like someone else's dirt will help us escape our own. Or, or, or maybe we're trying to rise above other people. Or, or maybe we're just tickled by it. I don't know. But clearly, we're interested in it. There's a Spanish proverb that says, Whoever gossips to you will gossip about you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hear it. Oh, yeah. So we've, we've experienced that. Those Spanish, they're so smart. See, but you don't need to give it away. You see, you were already holding something of more value than you could possibly gain by cashing it in. Right? In the context of relating to your friend. That's the treasure. Don't cash it in. Don't cash it in. Be faithful with what you learn, with what you know about your friends. Last point is to be faithful to a fault. Not as in too faithful, but faithful with people's faults. It's kind of a sub-point of the last category. Sometimes what you learn about people are the rough edges. You get close enough, you see it, you get even closer, and it actually hurts. (laughs) Now, some of us would never gossip. I know the last point wasn't for you. You're just waiting to get home and share it with someone else. I know you wouldn't do that. And yet, maybe the problem is you wouldn't gossip about it, but you can't get past it either. 
We hear those stories all the time as pastors, and I know we struggle with that. How do I get past that? 17.9 says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Ever, Ever had someone do that to you? Just again and again? Hey, it's been two years since you did that to me. Just wanted you to know. Another New Year's. That means it's five years since you let me down. (laughs) We're moving along, aren't we? It's our 10-year anniversary since you stabbed me in the back. Well done. (laughs) And again and again, repeating it. Why do we do that sometimes to each other? I don't know. Leverage, maybe. Maybe it gives us a little control. Maybe because forgiveness is so hard to do. Maybe just repeating it is our way of avoiding the hard work. Of forgiving. Maybe you've forgiven out loud and the repeating is all up here. And I repeat it in my head. And not out loud, that would be wrong, that would be too harsh for my friend, but I still hear it again and again and again. This proverb says, here's the solution you need to foster some love. Now, these are not revolutionary because we talk about them all the time. Start the year with some review. First of all, of course, if you're going to repeat something, it needs to be for your friend's benefit. 27.6, pretty uh, a familiar proverb maybe to some of you. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You kind of get the idea of what's going on there. Someone's just kissing up to you. Well, it's like... You're right away. You're going. Okay, what do you you know? What's that about? What do you want? The interesting thing is the contrast: a wound from a friend that could be trusted. So, the, the notion here is the friendship is real, it's genuine, and yet it was a wound. It hurt. So, how can that possibly be? Only if it was for your good, right? Only if it was really motivated out of your best interest. A uh, uh, poet of the last century, actually she was a suffragette early in the 1900s, Alice Miller said, if it is very painful for you to criticize your friends, you are safe in doing it. But if you take the slightest pleasure in it, that's the time to hold your tongue. Uh, Not bad advice. So repeating has to be for someone else's, your friend's benefit. And then to promote forgiveness, remember that Paul defined love for us, and he says it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So this repetition thing, that's not love. That's not love. Somehow we've got to get past that. So you're going to promote forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiveness between you and your friend. Maybe the thing that you've learned about them has nothing to do with you. It actually isn't a wound for you. But you see something in someone. You're going to promote forgiveness for the individual with God. You want them to experience that, of course. So we're promoting forgiveness with whatever we see, whether it's hurt us or not. And then back to our main verse. If there's something you're going to repeat, let it be the forgiveness. If there needs to be a tape running in your mind... If you need to say something over and over again, let it be the forgiveness part. That is promoting love. We have dealt with this. We have forgiven. We are forgiven brothers. We are forgiven friends. Let that be what you repeat. Well, 
what friendship is it that God has placed on your heart in the last few moments? Who is it that he would have you uh, think about this year and maybe pray about today and think, how can I be a more faithful friend to that individual? How can I take some of the, the wisdom of God, put it into my, my mind and into my heart to be the very best friend that I could possibly be to them? That's how I will gain the best friends, how I will gain new friends. That's how I will strengthen good relationships, and that's how I will restore those that are hurting. I want to give you a moment to think about the individual or maybe a few people that God places on your heart. Let's start the year committing those relationships to him. Would you talk to him for a moment? Father, thank you for the opportunity to start this year uh, worshiping you for your faithfulness, your goodness to us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who is that uh, friend that gave his all for us that we can completely trust today. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, know him and, and to love him, to know you through him and to experience the the potential of what friendship can be. Father, I pray as we think about uh, maybe someone that you bring to mind, a friend that you place on our heart, we want to follow you. What would you have us do? Father, I pray for those who uh, think of a hurting relationship. I pray today that you would give them courage that you would fill them with grace. I pray that the power of the cross of Jesus Christ would be greater than the hurt, would be greater than the, the meddling of the evil one, and that you would, you would be victorious, that you would bring healing to relationships who need that this morning. Father, for those who came in today lonely who need a friend. Father, I pray you would work in them through your spirit, your your strengthening to to learn to be a good friend and that you would honor that hard work with some great relationships in the year ahead. Father, for those of us who just have some friendships there, They're already strong, and we want to protect them. We want them to be everything they could be. I pray you'd lead us in that as well. We could taste your the the very best, your goodness in the year ahead. What a delight to, to come to you today, to lay these things before you and seek you for them. Bless, Father, in Jesus' name.